0: Hello everyone and welcome back to One Step. This is going to be a special standalone episode because basically this week has been pretty intense and there have been a lot of unexpected things that have come up and so our schedule has shifted a little bit but Christina and I wanted to catch up and talk and just kind of give you some updates on where we are. So we're basically going to treat this kind of like a stepping stone episode. We're going to do our ins and outs, but we're not reflecting on a specific episode. So this is just a full-on catch-up with Christina. And every time I say catch-up, I just think of the condiment catch-up, but that's not what I mean. But That's what it's like sounding like in my brain. Anyway, I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and here I am with our producer, Christina Cleveland. Hi, Christina. Hi, everyone. Oh, what a week. I think that's what this episode should be called. What a week.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. It is currently Friday, the 24th. As we are recording this but this week has been really intense for me if you have read the newsletter that came out today on the 24th then you know that my mom was in the hospital on monday and monday was just a really intense day filled with uncertainty and so much just pure terror on my end so basically in short i Woke up on Monday, started my day as I normally do. I was like a couple hours into the day. And then I find out that my mom is extremely sick, really, really sick. And so Erica helps me call her doctor. I'm a total mess because I'm going into just worst-case scenarios in my brain. I've also been through the experience of a parent being sick, a parent dying suddenly, and so all of those things were coming back into my body and into my brain. So Erica helped me take steps, and she helped me call the doctor, and her doctor told us Definitely, definitely, definitely. He said definitely three times. She needs to go to the ER immediately. And so then it turned into a lot of logistics, trying to figure out what was going to happen, getting her to the ER. It was just all really, really intense. And I didn't know what was happening with my mom. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and that is already terrifying. And then my mom being across the country, being in a really high risk group, I was just absolutely terrified and also feeling really helpless across the country. So basically, Monday was just a lot of things. And if you've ever been in a situation like this, then you probably know that information is kind of coming at you in all different directions. And you're trying to figure out what to do with it. And also, Manage your own emotions. And it was just really difficult. And I kept having to bring myself back to okay, try not to get too far ahead in the future. Just focus on literally what you need to do next. Like I just felt like I was looking at the next step in front of me. Fast forward, my mom. Is okay. She's not a hundred percent well, but she was well enough to be discharged later on Monday after being in the hospital, and that was a huge relief. So she is currently just recovering and getting better. Um, every day seems to be getting a little bit better, and so that was a huge relief. But it was just a lot of intensity and. I feel like so many of my biggest fears just all of a sudden, right in front of me, and I was like facing them and confronting them. It just put me back in the situation of my dad dying all over again, because that was such a sudden situation where he was alive at like the beginning of a week and dead by the end of it. And so I was just like, oh my God, this feels so similar. Is this going to happen again. And so I have had to spend this week recovering because I feel like when things like that happen, it's not only emotionally really, really taxing, but the next day I woke up and I could physically feel it in my body. Like I felt like I had been drinking for like three days straight, not sleeping. I've been in physical pain because my body was like so incredibly tense. Like Everything in my body hurts so much. I've been really tired. I've been really cruel to myself. I've been feeling really guilty. So it's just like this whole swamp that I've been trying to navigate. But it is just such a relief that she is okay, that she is recovering. What a week. That's what it was. What a week.
1: Well, I'm so relieved to hear that your mom is doing better. I know logically that worrying about and imagining worst case scenarios does nothing to prevent them from happening, but we do it anyway. And I think for me and maybe for a lot of people, this is the one. Like this is that worst case scenario phone call or text message that we worry about. And I think whether it's my mom or a friend's mom, it just activates like you talked about in one of the friendship episodes, it activates that network of like, okay, this is happening. How do we deal with it together?
0: Yeah, exactly. And there were moments where I was just like, is this really happening? And I was like, yeah, it is really happening. And it was so terrifying. And there were just moments where like I couldn't even say anything. I would just stand in front of Erica and look at her and just start sobbing. And I was talking to... One of my friends, Eva, who was on the podcast, she was talking about like the parental child connection and how it's a very specific one. And my mom and I have had a very complicated relationship, but man, I felt it in this moment where when I got the news that she was extremely sick and then also after talking to her doctor and her doctor was very serious about her going to the ER, it was like, this scream crying that I haven't done in years. Like, it's been so long since I have cried like that, but it is just this like primal feeling that's just embedded inside of me somewhere. And this totally awakened it. And it was just so incredibly intense and strong. And I couldn't stop it. Like, it just, I was just like, on the floor at certain points, and it just felt like something was completely taking over my my body and my emotions.
1: I've definitely had those full body cries where the next day I've woken up feeling totally hungover and possibly like dehydrated from tears. And yeah, a crying hangover is definitely a mood I can relate to.
0: Yeah, I feel like ins and outs – this week I don't even know where to start honestly after telling that story of like where do I go from here so I'm gonna let you start with the ins.
1: okay well one of my ins this week was listening to Fiona Apple who I think is actually a good soundtrack for a crying hangover she had an album release last week called fetch the bolt cutters which is getting a lot of recognition. And a lot of people are wondering, like, how did she know? Because her lyrics are really fitting right now. I mean, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, I've Been In Here Too Long is one of those lyrics. But the new album is not the album that I've been listening to. I've been listening to her old album called When the Pawn, which I loved in maybe seventh or eighth grade. And it's just been the perfect amount of angst and anger, but also nostalgia and feeling really good about the fact that I still think this music is just as good today. There are a lot of songs that I liked when I was younger that I hear and I'm like, this is so cheesy. I had terrible taste. What was I thinking? But listening to this album, I'm like, wow, go young me, like this is good. This is good quality music. So I tried listening to the new album and it actually just made me feel really angry and not in a good way. Like it's a pretty angry album and that's probably good for some moods, but the one that I've been really loving is One The Pawn.
0: I haven't listened to her new album and honestly, I – didn't grow up listening to Fiona Apple, but I feel like I'd really enjoy her music.
1: Yeah, it's just the right tone, I think, for right now.
0: I have really loved in this moment going back and listening or watching things that I enjoyed when I was younger that has been really fun but also a great way to get in touch with myself on a deeper level i have on mine watching cartoons as one of my ends because that is something that i did when i was a kid for sure and definitely still watch them into my teens but like more secretly because it wasn't really cool to be watching cartoons as a teenager but i still really like them it's kind of that same feeling of watching these cartoons, and then some of the episodes, I'm like, oh, the topics that they're covering are really good. This is really good. I'm still entertained by this as an adult. So I've been watching Doug, Rugrats. I'm exploring what else is on Hulu, but they have all of these shows on Hulu that I watched as a kid. There are just moments and certain storylines where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is something that still really resonates with me. There are definitely things that are very dated, but then there are things that still resonate very deeply. And I remember some of the episodes too. Like I watched the first episode of Rugrats and I was like, I 100% remember the episode of the Rugrats. It's Tommy's first birthday. They're all trying to eat dog food because they want to turn it into a dog. And I was like, this is just so unrelated to All of my life experience right now. And it is absolutely delightful. Yes, I would like to see little cartoon babies trying to (laughs) eat dog food because they think in their imaginations that they're going to turn into a dog. I was like, this is amazing. And this is totally how your imagination works as a kid. And so it really was nice to sink back into that. And both Erica and I got sucked into watching the first episode of The Rugrats together.
1: There is something kind of similar in this period to being a kid where you're at home. You really can't go anywhere because you're so dependent on like your parents driving you somewhere or giving you permission to go somewhere. So you're really just looking around your house for things to do and ways to entertain yourself. I guess there are a lot of parallels.
0: Yeah. I think this was an email from a listener that came in, but they were saying that – you know, sinking into things that they did as a teenager and as a kid reminds them of a time where they didn't have all of these big adult responsibilities and to just be in that space for even a short amount of time was incredibly Comforting and to sink back into the things that they really loved when they were a kid or a teenager. And I was like, oh, yeah. When I was watching the Rugrats, it put me back in the place where I wasn't responsible for, you know, paying bills, like thinking about the future. And, you know, the adults around me were doing that. And so it's interesting how that does happen even when you're not trying to get there. And When I read that experience from a listener, I was like, oh yeah, I totally know what that feeling is. It
1: has been interesting that we had planned for these teen episodes before this happened, but now they've taken on a whole new meaning and we do have more younger self episodes coming up and they mean something so different in a way that we could not have planned for.
0: I know because we had a whole different idea about this. And it really does mean something new in this moment. And it has been really incredible to see how many other people are dipping into their younger selves in this moment and rediscovering things as an adult. So it's definitely something that people are reaching for and finding comfort in.
1: There's also this article on The Cut that I shared on the One Step Instagram about how self-isolation is a recipe for depression. And there was this quote from a clinical psychologist about how right now we've been reduced to worrying about our most basic needs. It's like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we're worrying about health and shelter and food. And that's why it's so important that we're taking care of ourselves in the way that you would take care of and nurture a child, like talking to ourselves and reassuring ourselves, you're okay, you're safe. These are just our most basic needs. So I think it makes a lot of sense that you're watching cartoons and eating cereal. And I'm like wearing my hair in braids and listening to old CDs. And I think it seems to go deeper than just this feels fun and nice on the surface.
0: Yeah. Taking care of your basic needs is totally something that comes up in this. And that is how I've had to navigate this week. And on Monday, going back to the moments where I was like, okay, literally, what is the next thing I have to do? Not the next three things, but the next thing. And it could have been as simple as like, go to the bathroom eat food, like super, super basic. Those things kept me moving forward and helped get me to the bigger tasks that I needed to do, but helped get me there in a way that felt like a slow buildup as opposed to, oh my God, this big thing that I'm so nervous about, or I'm really terrified of, it just seemed like the next right step that I had to take. It still was like nerve wracking, but it definitely helped taking care of myself, you know, eating food before I talked to my mom because I recognized, oh, my body is signaling that, I should eat. I don't particularly have an appetite right now, but I need to eat something. And so I made myself eat something because I knew I needed to. And that helped me just be so much better on the phone with my mom when I was talking to her. And I remember just being in shock. I was like, oh my God, this is coming out exactly the way that I wanted it to. This is not typically what happens. And I just remember being like, oh my God, because I ate, because I was reaching out to people for help, it gave me the space to show up for my mom in the ways that were the most important.
1: It's amazing to me that this podcast is called One Step. And even in the most terrifying moments, it still comes back to just taking every single small doable step that's right in front of you.
0: Yeah. And I – Thought about that too, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually really living this in an actual emergency. Um, And so that was definitely proof to me like, this is something that continues to work for me in moments that are less stressful and moments that are really incredible. But it also proved that this works in the middle of something absolutely terrifying, too. What's your next in?
1: So, my next in is the flowers that I have been seeing outside. I know that there are flowers every year, there were flowers last year, but I honestly feel like the flowers this year are on another level. Every single time I go on a walk, I'm noticing different types of tulips. I'm often just coming to a complete stop in front of someone's yard and just staring at their flowers because I can't believe like there are these giant tulips that have petals that are as big as my hand. And there are all these different types of cherry blossom trees. I saw these flowers on a walk that were really tiny and kind of hung upside down, but the petals had checkered pattern on them, like full square checkers in purple and white. And I don't know if it's just my perception and seeing nature or flowers in a new way this year, but they are really pulling out all the stops this year.
0: I agree. And I've seen people, I'm like, there's something about the flowers this year, I think, because I've seen people stopping and looking at the flowers way more than usual. And I think there's also, you know, what we're going through, but they are just exceptionally beautiful this year. And it makes me really happy to see so many people stopping to pay so much attention to these new blooms that are coming up. Have you seen, by the way, this is one thing that I have been perplexed about in terms of nature. Have you seen the trees that have branches that go straight up? Is it like a branch that
1: goes across with a bunch of branches going up?
0: Yeah, going straight up. And you can only really see it when the trees don't have leaves on them and since the trees are just starting to get leaves, like you can really see these branches that are going straight up and I pointed them out to Erica and we looked it up and everyone is saying that it's because they grow towards the sun. But I was like, I've never noticed that before. Like, I've been doing the same thing. Like
1: I'll be on a walk with John and then I'll just completely interrupt him and be like, look at
0: that flower. Look at the color of that flower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yep, I've done the same thing, except it's like, look at those branches. Why are they like that? I just keep going back to it is so interesting to be in this moment of such contrast because the streets are so empty. We're in the middle of this pandemic. We're in quarantine and outside trees are coming to life and there's so many beautiful flowers. There's so much color. The grass is green and lush, and the birds are out and they're chirping, and it's just such a contrast. And I can't describe what the feeling is, but it is a literal representation of holding these two things that are so opposite in the same space.
1: Yeah, that's one thing. I love New York, and I'm still happy to be here, but. I do wish that I had a small yard right now because I think doing some gardening and like tending to some flowers and some soil would just be so therapeutic and because I don't have that I've been watching this show called Big Dreams Small Spaces which is like a British gardening show on Netflix and Alicia actually mentioned gardening in her girls night in I think it was from last week and so I think there are other people who are in this British gardening mode.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have I feel like I've been a British gardener within my own space, just doting on my plants. I have literally taken them all down off of the shelves and then I put them all together because I imagine that they just want to be with each other. <laughs> Like what am I doing? But this is what it is.
1: <laughs> uh, you don't want them distanced.
0: Exactly. So I'm putting them all together, and then I water them. I miss them. I like touch them. I give them some. The ones that want extra sun, I give those extra sun. I kind of move them around a little bit, and I've really been able to see how they respond to that, and. It's really, really amazing. I love taking care of plants, but I think in this moment where things are slowed down a little bit more, I'm really able to see the day-by-day progress that they're making and how they respond to the things that I'm doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. These are living things that are responding to how I'm caring for them in a way It really builds my self-esteem Knowing that what i'm doing is having a positive impact on These plants and they're growing and thriving and that makes me feel really good
1: Yeah, I have this bird of paradise. That's huge I actually moved it with me here from texas and it goes all the way up to the ceiling and it's gotten so big that it's a little bit overwhelming, but I noticed that it had these white spots on it and they've been on there for a while and I've been trying to every now and then tend to it and deal with it, but they were just multiplying and really covering the plant. So I have taken these few weeks as an opportunity to really wipe down every single leaf, every single stem with a mixture that is supposed to kill these things. And the reason why I couldn't Fully commit to it before is because you have to keep doing it over and over because they're in various stages of life. So even if I get rid of them, there might be some baby ones, it's going to come back. It's a very tedious process. And I before just felt like I don't have time to be doing this all the time. But now I do, and so I'm taking care of my bird of paradise. I feel like I'm reuniting. I'm really getting in there. I have to climb up on a ladder in order to clean the tall leaves, but I'm doing it.
0: I know. It really does feel like a sense of accomplishment, a sense of connection when you're taking care of your plants. And another living thing, this is somewhat connected to your last in about plants, He's technically an animal, Tato, but it has to do with being outside. So one of the only things that you can do outside is go for a walk, walk your dog. And so when I take Tato out on walks, I've noticed that in this moment, people are really just, when they see Tato, their entire face lights up and it's actually been making me really happy to see it happen. Like I was walking um, down the street with him just the other day and a guy who was nearby was just like, oh my gosh, that dog. And this was just a grown person just taking a pure delight in potato the fluffy little cheeto puff that he is right now going down (laughs) the street and like kids have been taking so much delight in him i've noticed people looking at him and they have like such big smiles on their faces and it just feels so incredible to know that this tiny little animal who is totally oblivious to what is happening in the world is making so many people that he doesn't even know exist smile and have experienced just this moment of pure delight and joy.
1: You know the Care Bear gif in today's newsletter with the hearts like beaming out of the Care Bears? I'm picturing that but from Tato right now.
0: Yep. It feels really magical to be like on the other end of it and to just be noticing it happening and watching it – happen?
1: One of my favorite things is it doesn't happen very often because usually I'm walking my dog, but when someone else is walking my dog and I can see them from a distance and he's like coming towards me, I have the experience of like, Oh, this is what everyone else is seeing. His happy, smiling face and his little prance like, oh, this is what everyone's reacting to. And it's my favorite thing to be on the other side of it. And like, he is really cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And you're like, yeah, my, it's like your dog is a celebrity or something.
1: <laughs> Every time I see a Pomeranium, I'm like, Tato? But it's not.
0: (laughs) I know. Whenever I see a Shiba Inu, I'm like, is that Katsu? (laughs) Or even if it's one that doesn't look like Katsu, I'm like, I wonder what Katsu would think of that Shiba Inu. (laughs) Oh, man. The thoughts that go through our head about dogs. Do you have another in?
1: Yes. So I got Hulu, which is a big development in my household, so that I could watch High Fidelity and I've been completely obsessed. I am crazy about Rob's style. I have been finding my own small ways to like, what would Rob wear? Would Rob wear this combination? (laughs) So that's been consuming my mind for like the last week. I loved the show. I really loved the episode of her awkward 30th birthday party. It was like the most cringy uncomfortable episode of a show that I think I've ever seen. Something about that felt really good right now. And I love Zoe Kravitz. She was just so natural and charismatic. I didn't love the parts where she was talking directly to the camera just because it didn't feel as natural as when she's interacting with another person. But still, I loved her.
0: Yeah, those moments almost kind of reminded me of in the first season of Sex in the City when Carrie was talking to the camera directly at some points and then they slowly kind of just phased out of that as the seasons progressed. But every time I go back and watch season one, I'm always shocked because I'm like, why is she talking to me? I'm always like, <laughs> oh, stop doing this. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> I think... High Fidelity did it way better, but Sex and the City, it's always strange because there are so many seasons of it and most of the seasons, there isn't that one-on-one dialogue happening, but it was way better in High Fidelity. Like I could get on board with it. It didn't feel like like a cringe moment, but it is like a stylistic choice. And I'm just like, you know, whatever Zoe Kravitz is doing, I'm here for it. And I just love her pants in the show. She has such great pants. I mean, she has – her wardrobe is incredible, but the pants were just – They're like pajama pants. I know. It
1: really changed my view on this desire to want a matching colorful sweatsuit. I know we talked about that last time. But since watching High Fidelity, I've forgotten about that a little bit because – She wasn't wearing sweatpants in any of those episodes, and all of her pants looked like pajama pants and comfortable, but they weren't colorful sweats.
0: I know. The ones that stand out to me the most are these green silky pants that she was wearing at home, but it looked like something you could wear at home or out. They were amazing. They were like an emerald green. They were like a silky, loose material. And then she also wore these lavender like cargo pants that I loved. And it made me think about that style of pants in a whole different way. And then she also had a couple pair of yellow pants. She had yellow corduroy pants. Oh, and then she had a really amazing pair of pink silky pants, too. Those were really cool. I've
1: already started searching Poshmark and Etsy for different Rob-inspired combinations. And she also had a really strong sweater game. Like she wore these grandpa sweaters that kind of changed the way I'm feeling about what I want to wear and be comfortable either at home or even not at home. That's still going to feel like me. And her definitely her sweater and comfy pant combos really changed what I'm Dreaming
0: about wearing. I know. Before quarantine, I think I've been telling you this, but I was just really not wanting to wear things that had like tight waists, basically anything with like buttons that felt restricting. I wanted like all elastic waistbands or like jumpsuits that don't have a waist, basically. And so seeing High Fidelity just really inspired me and made me realize, yes, there are so many different options out there for whenever that time comes when I'm going to be looking for these things. I have so many new ideas now, which made me feel creative. Just watching the show and taking in all of the outfits, it felt like I was replenishing myself visually.
1: Yeah, I don't know who the stylist is, but I want to look them up because all of the clothes that all the characters wore, it seemed like it was just the wardrobes of these actors. They felt and looked so natural in these clothes.
0: Well, now that you have Hulu, you got to watch Little Fires Everywhere. Erica and I just finished it.
1: That's next on my list.
0: Yeah, that, wow. That's all I'm going to say. That was a wow show. I mean- Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington just give incredible performances. I feel like everybody, honestly, in that series just gave really, really incredible performances. And there are moments where just emotions are so high. And I would have these thoughts of like, oh my gosh, what was it like for them as an actor afterwards doing that scene and if you have to do it multiple times but now we have moved on to killing eve which is in its third season right now it just came out and we've been watching it on amazon prime you have to pay for it but we just love killing eve so much that we're like we just need to watch it as the episodes come out but I just love Sandra Oh in the show. I love Villanelle's character. She's just so dark and quirky and weird and strange and also has really interesting style too. Have you seen Killing Eve?
1: No, but I've read about it. I've like read people's opinions on it. So I feel familiar, but I haven't actually watched it.
0: It really takes you on a journey, and when I started watching it, I didn't really know what to expect, and you just get hooked so quickly, and the characters are just so incredible, and uh, I just love Sandra O in this show so much, and just how the characters' storylines develop. And how they end up connecting with each other. And so I'm not sure where season three is gonna go. That's the thing about this show is I feel like it's just so unpredictable, but I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I'm so happy it is back. Okay, should we talk about some outs?
1: Okay, so my out is trying to quarantine perfectly. I sort of realized in the last week because the last week just has not felt good. I've been feeling, I don't know, worse. And I think that's been frustrating. It's been disappointing because I'm feeling like, if anything, I've improved my quarantine routine. I'm meditating every day i'm journaling every night i'm wearing a mask every time i go out and i'm donating and i'm checking in on people and i'm tending to my plants and i do yoga every other day and i'm watching tv but not too much tv and i'm spreading out my grocery shopping to every 10 to 12 days so that i'm not going to the grocery too much i have enough but i'm not hoarding it's like all of these different things that i'm just trying to do right And I'm trying to do perfectly. And I am a perfectionist. So I guess it's not a huge surprise. But I think maybe I've been feeling frustrated this week because it feels like no matter how well I quarantine, I'm not really seeing a payoff. Like the news doesn't seem to be getting any better. It's, Frustrating when I talk to other people in other places who I feel aren't quarantining as well, or they're not following the rules as strictly. And so I was telling a friend this week about how I've been feeling, and I was getting really worked up, like, am I quarantining wrong? Is what I'm feeling about this wrong? And she ended up saying, you're doing it right. I see you, I hear you, and you're doing it right. Just hearing those words really landed with me in a way that I think the way that you wrote about in your newsletter, hearing the phrase, you're doing a great job, it just hit me like, okay, I'm doing it right. I don't need to do it perfectly, but whatever way I'm doing it right now is right.
0: Yeah, that is so huge. And it's so interesting how even in a moment like this, our perfectionism just like – still finds a way to try and live and survive and i'm like oh you're sneaky what are you doing yeah because <laughs> i've felt the exact same way also and that's why when we received that voice memo from a listener it was right after last week's newsletter came out a listener sent a voice memo and i listened to it and They specifically told me you're doing a great job and I just had tears in my eyes because I realized I had been putting so much pressure on myself and I was judging myself so much and I was just being so cruel to myself and someone saying you're doing a great job just made me sink into that space like there's so many things that I have been doing right. And I haven't allowed myself to recognize that.
1: Yeah, I've really been working on telling myself, like, you're doing a good job, but also making a point to tell other people because I have experienced firsthand how good it feels.
0: Yeah, I've been doing that this week too, talking to my friends who have just been such a huge support to me. And also recognizing that, you know, they're going through things, whether you feel like your skin needs to be perfect in this moment, or you need to be having like the perfect response to everything, just whatever it is, it just goes back to like what perfectionism actually is, which is just this very narrow path that you're supposed to try and fit yourself in. And it, really doesn't work for the vast majority of people and it's really unfair to try and force ourselves into that space because we're all coming from different circumstances and so I've been doing the same thing with my friends and it means a lot to them to hear it because I have realized this week we're not hearing that we're not hearing that from ourselves from other people because we're so consumed with everything else that's going on. And so taking a moment to tell someone else, you're doing a great job or you're doing everything right, like watching or listening to how that lands with someone is really, really powerful. And it goes such a long way in this moment.
1: I think especially right now when it feels like, it just feels like we're doing it wrong. Our numbers are so much worse than other countries. And it just makes me feel like we're not doing it right. And it's, it's been very overwhelming for me this week.
0: Yeah, I know. And I feel like my out is definitely connected to this. I've had a lot of guilt and it's 100% connected to perfectionism, trying to have control, wanting to have answers too, I think. So I've been dealing with just so much guilt, especially after Monday happened. There were just so many guilty thoughts and feelings that came up, whether it was like, am I a bad daughter for choosing to live across the country from my mom? We had had interviews planned for this last week that needed to be canceled because I was dealing with an emergency and couldn't do those interviews. And I was like, do the people that I plan to interview hate me now? Then I was like, Do the people that I work with, are they annoyed with me? Are my friends annoyed with me because I've asked them for help? Like it just kept going on and on and on. And I just felt so guilty. I was also telling myself, am I overreacting? You know, I think that it goes back to that. You're doing a great job. You're doing everything right because that's what my friends have been telling me this week. Um, And It has helped so much. And Erica has been telling me there was a moment where Erica was like, you are having the exact right response to this. You're not underreacting. You're not overreacting. Your response is completely proportional to what is happening, which is an emergency you are responding the right way. And it just gave me comfort because I was like, am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Like I wasn't acknowledging that this is the reaction that I just need to have. And that is the right one.
1: And for me, it's so clear and just like objectively true that no, 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 no. The people who we rescheduled interviews with could never be annoyed or upset with you right now. And I would never be disappointed that you needed to take time to help your mom in a Literal emergency, but I've also been in your shoes where I'm like, okay, this is a set of circumstances that I didn't cause and I have absolutely no control over. But I still feel guilty about them, and everybody must hate me. And even though on the other side of it, I'm like, 100%, no, 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 of course no one is thinking those things about you. Like I get it.
0: Yeah, it reminded me of like a very heightened experience of a taking a sick day when you're not feeling well and you know you need to just like rest, but then you feel so guilty for taking that time. That's what this was, but times a hundred. And especially because I needed to rest after that experience, Tuesday was really hard. Like I did these things that were really nice for myself, like watching cartoons and reading a book and resting, taking a nap, like letting my body just like physically Rest. But there was so much guilt that I was battling that day. And I really had to reach out to people, write about it, like get it out of myself instead of like stewing in it. And so it took me until like the afternoon to really start sinking into a better mental space where I was starting to let go a little bit more. But I was just so shocked at how even in a moment that I know rationally was an emergency, was extremely heightened in emotions and fear. And I did the things that I needed to do in that moment. And I made the right decisions and I made the best decisions I could in all of the moments that were presented. I was still feeling so much guilt and I was still being cruel to myself. Like I would have assumed that, going through something so incredibly intense, I would have been a little bit kinder to myself. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) it's still coming in. It's still trying to sneak in. And man, it just felt like I had to really just like pull on like all the tools that I had in my toolbox. And I will say that they worked. It took some time, but the difference here between now and the past is that I know what's happening and so it helped dissolve things slowly and I think the huge thing for me was asking for help from people like I continuously asked for help from people which is just something I never would have done in the past and I was telling Erica I could have technically done everything on my own, it would have been even more stressful. I really would have been stretched to my absolute limit, probably beyond my limits. But this was a moment where I was like, I don't have to do this alone. I am going to ask for help. And I was like, this is one of those moments where I'm really seeing why it is important to ask for help because I couldn't have shown up for my mom in the ways that I did where I had those moments where I was like, oh my God, I said exactly what I wanted to say. I was as loving as I wanted to be. Like I was as clear as I wanted to be. I couldn't have done that without all of the help that was activated around me. And I had everything from, you know, people helping me with logistical things. I had emotional support come in. I had my friend Chelsea who just wrote me a beautiful prayer that she had said and then wrote out the prayer and sent it to me so I could see it. And it was just so beautiful and so touching to see all of the different ways that support can look like.
1: I just started reading The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And this reminds me of her talking about being compassionate and giving help and receiving help and how it was very much a part of her personality to help everyone else in her family and to help the people around her, but to not accept any help. And that she didn't realize that when you ask for help or go to someone and ask for support, it in turn, makes that person feel better because they feel like you trust them enough to come to them. It also shows them that it's okay to be in these kinds of situations and to need help. And when they are in that situation later, they'll feel permission to ask for help from you and from other people. And I only started reading it a couple of days ago, but it's already feeling like a very timely read, especially for right now.
0: Yeah, it's really incredible how stepping into service serves both people. It's a gift to the person who is receiving the help and it's a gift to the person giving the help. And I feel the exact same way. Like I was always like on the giving end, but I never wanted to admit that I needed help myself. And I think it just makes me a truer version of myself when I accept help. Like I am able to be who I really am. Not like the stretched version of myself that is just kind of like going through the motions and not present with what is happening. I feel like that was just such a huge Lesson for me, and also just being in quarantine, being across the country, figuring out like how to receive help from my friends who are in different places, um, to give help to my mom who's across the country, and then also being, you know, in a confined space with a partner, and watching how that help was playing out too, because Erica played a huge role in helping me that day. It was just really remarkable. I kept saying to Erica, like it just felt like this whole network was activated, like a PTA phone tree or something was just like (laughs) activated, like a button was pressed and everybody was like, we are here. What do you need? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like everybody just like stood at attention. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible because this is exactly what I would do for my friends and for people that I love. And it is such a special and remarkable gift to be able to receive it.
1: Well, logically I understand the benefits of asking for help and I'm reading about it and I can see it playing out here and I like the way that it looks and I can stand very strongly and firmly on the side of offering help and being a helper, but there's still something that makes asking for help and, maybe it's more so admitting that I need or even just want help that feels like I still have to chip away at this need that I think I have to feel independent.
0: Yeah, but I also feel like it's not a disservice to your independence. I feel like I had this false idea of what independence was, which meant I had to do everything on my own and I had to be alone. But Asking for help allows me to have, I think, what the truest version of my independence is because it goes back to, oh, I get to be who I really am, not this false version that's like completely stretched and just kind of going through the motions, but I get to be who I really am. And I get to watch other people be who they really are, too, because in those moments where you're asking for help from people, you see who they are. And it was so incredible to see. I was like, I have magnificent friends. I have magnificent people in my life. Like that is the word for it. They are just magnificent. I was just so incredibly grateful for it too. And then thinking about my mom being in the hospital and the people who were there caring for her. They were making jokes with her and they kept her in really great spirits. And I was just so grateful for the help that they were giving to her while I couldn't be there with her. And that night I screamed extra hard during the 7 p.m. cheer. I like unleashed for that 7 p.m. cheer because I was like, this has a whole new meaning For me because I am just so grateful for all of these people who showed up for my mom today and who are working in a hospital in the middle of a pandemic and are still able to connect with people on a human level and make my mom laugh and just keep her spirits up. And she was telling me what they were telling her. And I was like, I'm so happy that my mom is taken care of, that there are so many people who are like coming together to like take care of her, Um, even though most of us like couldn't be there with her. We were all like figuring it out from a distance. Ugh, these episodes just always seem to like evaporate. They just go by so quickly.
1: I agree. I have like
0: three more ins and outs. (laughs) I know. I'm just like, I could keep talking. (laughs) It also just feels like such a huge relief because I've just been like stewing in all of this stuff all week. I'm like, it feels nice to just talk about things that are like TV shows and things. Before we go, I'm going to give you a little update on the schedule since things have shifted a little bit due to everything that has happened. So this is the episode that is going up this week as you know, because you just listened to it. But we will be returning next week on May 4th with our regular schedule. So we will have an interview on May 4th, and then later we will have our Stepping Stone episode on Thursday. Basically, we need the week that you're listening to this episode to catch up, recalibrate, reschedule things, and just kind of get Back on track with the schedule that we were on. And that just takes some time. And I've also just needed some time to recover myself. We didn't even get to talk about how much physical achiness we have in our bodies, because that was a thing.
1: Well, I'll keep it short, but in a nutshell, everything aches. And no matter how much yoga I do, I've just been feeling like my body is 80 years old like my joints, my muscles everything
0: yeah me too everywhere like literally everything hurts it's on another level this week especially but I am really grateful that we got to catch up today after such an intense week and I'm so grateful to everyone who is listening and who has written in and who has sent voice memos who have left comments they have really really meant a lot to me especially in this last week and you know, people didn't even know what was going on. They were just sharing a piece of their story with me or saying something kind. And it just felt so incredibly tremendous and meaningful this week. And it really helped me to feel connected to people in a moment where I often felt alone and scared. So I want to say thank you to everybody because it really, really meant a lot to me this week. I guess that's gonna be it for today. If you are not subscribed to our podcast, please make sure you subscribe and rate and review this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And also just rating and reviewing helps us out too, since we are a little baby podcast here on the internet and we're recording in our closets. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to stay up to date with, you know, future podcast club meetings that we're going to be happening, just what's happening with the podcast in general, you can follow One Step Podcast on Instagram. We post little things there for you guys. And then there's also the newsletter that you can sign up for. It's the One Step Wellness podcast. There is a link to sign up in the bio of our Instagram. You can also go to my bio on Instagram at Ingrid Nilsson, and there's a sign up link there. So there are lots of ways if you would like to read the newsletter that comes out on Fridays. I think that's pretty much everything. I officially have it all memorized because normally I have to have like a little script in front of me to make sure I hit everything, but I have magically memorized it all, everyone. This is a moment to remember. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and of course, our studios, our closets in New York City. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk soon.